Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no question a lot is at stake in this year's election at all levels of government. We here at the Topeka Capital Journal are doing our part to share the perspectives of those running for elected positions in Kansas. My name is India Yarbrough, and I'm a reporter for the Capital Journal. Over the next few weeks, leading up to the November 3rd general election, our reporters will be interviewing candidates running for local, state, and national offices. We'll be asking them questions about their platforms and priorities and having conversations about what this year's election means to Kansans. We hope you enjoy listening to our Election 2020 podcast series. I'm here today with Jeff Cohen. He is a Republican who is running against incumbent Jim Gardner to represent District 53 in the Kansas House of Representatives. Jeff served one term on the Topeka City Council from 2015 to 2019, and in 2017, he served as the city's deputy mayor. He's also a small business owner with a background in information technology. Jeff, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, we'll just start with kind of a a basic question. Could you explain how you got started in politics and why you decided to run this time around? Certainly. Yeah. I was, um, like many of your viewers and listeners, um, I was a couch politician. And, you know, you get angry at the TV and the radio. And um, one day I just decided to become involved. And so I called our local party and said, hey, I'm Jeff Cohen. I want to be involved. And they said, um, well, that's great because there is somebody who's wanting to run in the city council race um, this spring. This is when it was in the spring. And uh, we'd, we'd love for you to go and support them. They would be your representative. And I was like, sure, cool, let's go do that. So I went to this stranger's house and um, they were having a pizza party. And the, the candidate got up and said, um, before I pray for this pizza, I want to tell everybody that I can't run. And everybody kind of, it was, it was 20 people in the room probably. They all turned and looked at me, and I said, well, I'm going to have to run this by my wife first. But um, it sounds like it's probably going to be something that we can do. I'd never run a campaign before or anything, but um, I started uh, knocking doors and asking people to vote for me, and I won the primary and the general election that year. Great. Um, well, and in speaking with, of course, you're running on the Republican ticket, um, mm-hmm. but could you talk about how you would collaborate uh, with members of your opposing party to Certainly. work toward agreements and policies that are really in the best interests of all the Kansans you represent? Yeah, and, and I have done that on the Topeka City Council. You know, we were pretty equally divided, um, political party speaking, even though they're not supposed to be um, partisan. But I was able to reach across the aisle to get some things done. And one of those things was um, some more street funding. And if you guys remember, in 2016, I asked our um, city manager at the time, I said, how can we get some more street funding? And they said, you're not going to believe this, but this is the first time somebody, a council person, has asked for more street funding. 
And how much are you asking for? And I said, how about a million dollars? A million dollars doesn't go very far when it comes to fixing streets, but at least we could show the people that we're trying to make um, an, an impression and trying to do something. And um, wouldn't you know it, the city manager, they found $2 million in low-hanging fruit. And so they were able to put that into the street fund. So all of the new street ceiling and a lot of the neighborhood mill and overlay projects, that's coming from that money. And it's nice to actually see something, try, you know, take action on something and actually see it um, completed. The, the huge street ceiling runs on Fairlawn and Gage, those are in our area and those roads really needed help. And um, they were some of the streets to get done first. And now we're back into the neighborhood area. Woodbridge neighborhood, um, Seabrook neighborhood. There's a neighborhood in Crestview that I talked to somebody the other day and they said they can't believe that somebody is actually coming through and fixing our streets and our, our curbs. Um, their curbs had completely crumbled. And um, it's nice to see that that money is actually going to work and actually you can actually see it in, mm -hmm. in action. And so, so reaching across the aisle, right. Um, that was something that of course unanimously passed. Um, street funding is something that we can all be common on. Um, but I also, um, drafted Topeka's nudity ban. And if you guys remember, we had some people that were walking down Shunga trail naked, um, and then once those stories came out that people were doing that in Topeka did not have a nudity ban, we had grown adults jogging down Wanamaker with just tennis shoes on. And, of course, that was my district that um, that happened, and so I, I felt we had to do something about that. Um, when you write policy at the city level, it's very rare that you get a, a unanimous swing your way. And that's what happened in this case. Um, everybody, I was able to work with both sides of the aisle, and um, we ended up getting it passed unanimously. And so are you hoping some of those skills that you've kind of so. mm -hmm. learned through the city council yes, I believe translate that can to happen. the legislature? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, and on this topic of partisanship still, um, in what areas do you think state representatives and senators have failed to reach agreements in the past? Um, and in what areas uh, do you think potential compromise is possible going forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of times there's you know disagreements along partisan lines, and that's understandable. But um, our legislature, legislators, they passed a budget this spring that increased the state budget by 800 million or something incredibly high like that. And they knew that COVID was coming at the time. And I really think that they, or they knew that the lockdowns were coming and that the tax receipts wouldn't be as high. And I think as a leader, you need to make those hard decisions. When you can see something is coming like that, you don't increase the state budget. Now, the next session, we're going to have to figure out how to balance the budget because of their bad decisions. Um, you know, I think we can all sometimes agree to disagree. Um, me and our mayor don't always see eye to eye on policy, but yet we can still be friends. And um, I think I think that our state legislators could use a lot more of that 
And so um, in this, uh, you know, spirit of compromise, are you saying the budget is really a, an area where there needs to be compromise moving forward? Well, there'll have to be. Um, there'll have to be cuts made somewhere. Um, where that is, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to take a look at that budget um, when that time comes and um, see what money can be moved and, and allocated. Um, I know that you know working with a, a large city budget, state budgets are much much larger, but they're they're fairly fluid and money can be moved around and reprioritized. And I think that's where we can and, and need to come together uh, to get that done. Okay. Um, and, and speaking about another kind of um, contentious issue here, um, Missouri, of course, recently voted via a ballot measure to expand its Medicaid program. Uh, Medicaid expansion has been a point of contention among Kansas legislators in recent years. Um, and with no citizen-initiated ballot measure available in Kansas, it's really up to legislators to agree on some sort of bill. Um, I have a couple questions regarding this topic for you, uh, but I want to start off with uh, what do you think Medicaid – or w- w- sorry, why do you think Medicaid expansion has been such a contentious issue in recent years for Kansans? Well, I don't know why it's been. For me, it's I think it's about the, the dollars, um, putting an additional – thousands of Kansans on a pretty overloaded system, um, pretty um, tapped out system financially. Um, I don't think that's a good decision. Um, I have um, a child that is high risk, and they require uh, daily medicine. And this medicine costs 3000 a month, and nobody can afford that. And that's why this system is in place. That's why Medicaid is in place, is so that people, Kansans, that actually need that medical insurance like that, the life-saving medicine, they can get it. Um, we, <laughs> we, we didn't have a choice. But I believe that every Kansan needs to have a have, be able to access the service should they need it. But from our personal experience, that system's broken. We, um, the clearinghouse, lost our paperwork twice. Um, we hand-delivered our paperwork to the clearinghouse in person, and it still got lost. You know, there are months when CanCare would send a a letter to us saying that they're not going to pay for the medicine this month. And so we have to call them. We wait on hold for lengthy periods of time just to try to get through to somebody to say that this is life-saving medicine. And it it does eventually come. It eventually works out. But... um, the system, I mean, from my personal experience, it looks like it's already overloaded and overwhelmed. Um, and I just don't think it would be smart right now to dump thousands of new clients onto that system. Okay. Um, so I take it you 
are against expanding can care then um could you i'm not necessarily against it but okay. what i'd like to do is to fix the current system because it is broken and okay. i don't think we can expand can care until that system's fixed okay um could we, we let's dive into that a little bit more um could you kind of explain um and, and you've already touched on this a little bit, but could you explain your stance on can care a little bit more um, and and why uh, we're a personal user of it mm-hmm. um, it's it like it like I said it's something that um, we didn't necessarily want to, to be on but we have no choice we can't afford three thousand dollars a month in prescription med- medicine mm-hmm. um, the can care system is designed for Kansans that need this life-saving medical care and sadly we're one of those Mm -hmm. and i just don't think you know able-bodied kansans um they can get it through work or they can go out on the marketplace and get it um i don't think we need to just give free health insurance away and i think that's you know what some are intend wanting to do with with expanding the, the Medicaid system. Okay. Um, on that topic then, what, um, given kind of the issues that you see with the current system, what solutions do you think there are? Um, you know, I w- was going to ask whether you thought legislators might pass a bill this next sh- session, but it sounds like um, there might be some other know. solutions you have in mind. W- what are you thinking in that area as far as solutions go? You know, I'm, since I'm not there, I, I just I don't have the answer to that. Um, I'd love to be able to get in there in the committee level and try to hash out some of the differences. And you know, I'm sure we can get some compromise passed. Um, I don't think it's going to be exactly everything that both sides want. So uh, I think that's just kind of the way politics is, and, and the way um, you know, it's it's a little give and take. To, to get something done. Okay. Um, and on another health-related topic, uh, what is your stance on legalizing medical marijuana? That has kind right. of been a topic in the news lately. Um, you know, do you see an adoption of a medical marijuana bill as being beneficial to Kansans long-term or not, and, and why? Um, <clears throat> I don't know exactly. The um, We do have three states around us that have do some sort of policy in place. Um, it's probably inevitable that it is coming to Kansas at some time or another. Um, I don't necessarily support outright legalization, um, just just outright legalization, but I would support putting it on the ballot that let Kansans choose the future of our state, um, choose the direction of our state. Um, you know, I think, you know, us as representatives, we can do some sort of representative government. But I think some some issues like that, maybe the population needs a chance to vote on it and tell us legislators wh- what direction we need to go. Okay. Um, uh, well, oh, another thing. Ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we do we did find out that, um, you know, in some other states, there the legalization has developed some other issues that you know, we're unforeseen, uh, um, you know, how to collect, um, cash revenue. I know it's an all cash business. And so, you know, how do you, how do you deal with taxing an all cash business? Um, those businesses, they can't use a traditional bank, you know, things like that. They're, um, 
health issues also that arise um, similar to you know alcohol addiction and um, those things are happening in these other states is then is that something that we want for Kansas I think that the the voters need to choose that okay and speaking of, of revenue, uh, that's kind of a nice segue. Um, and of course, COVID-19 has produced a lot of um, uncertainty with the budgets and budget shortfalls. Mm-hmm. How would you address some of those budget shortfalls uh, induced by the coronavirus pandemic? Um, you know, what sources might you tap into to spur new revenue or, or where might you look to spur some revenue growth? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the reason that we're having these budget shortfalls is because we have these lockdowns. Um, you know, I think the lockdowns have gone long enough and we were only supposed to slow the spread to not overwhelm the medical system. And I think we did that. Um, I think we need to have our economy open. Our economy needs to be open. The tax receipts will start coming in. Once the economy starts moving, um, you know, maybe this year the budget will have to be not as high. Maybe just (laughs) – that's the thing. When they talk about budget, there's an anticipated growth in a budget every year, um, cost of living growth or whatever. And, you know, maybe this is one of those years that the budget would stay flat for a year. Um, That might be an option to look at. Um, we use the same budget that we used the last year, um, so there's not as much growth, something like that. Um, but, you know, I think more economic activity would bring in more tax revenue. But we can't bring in more tax revenue until the lockdowns are lifted. And the thing is, is we can't increase taxes either. We can't do that. Um, and I saw this uh, TV commercial on the other day where the governor of South Dakota said, come to South Dakota with our wide open skies and low taxes. It's a great place to grow. And I was like, that would be great if Kansas could say something like that and, and say, you know, come to Kansas with our wide open skies and our low taxes. It would be nice to be able to say something like that. Um, But again, we've got to have our economy open so the tax receipts will start coming in. And I safely came in here today. We're safely sitting across the table. I think, you know, other businesses will be able to accommodate. Um, You know, many of those are, are entrepreneurs and we adapt um, and I think we can all safely open. Mm-hmm. Um, going off of that, uh, you know, many businesses are allowed to reopen right now, but it's, it seems like there's the consumer confidence aspect that maybe isn't there. Um, how would you seek to balance, you know, keeping Kansan safe, um, and, and increasing that or promoting that consumer confidence so that, mm-hmm. uh, so that the, the revenues are there like you hope? You know, right now, there are probably over 300 cars at Walmart of shoppers. But yet, most small business owners, they, can't, they can only have a few people in the store at a time. And today, 
KDHE announced 723 COVID deaths. And you know, any number of deaths are too many, but we don't talk about the 6,000 Kansans that die every year of heart disease or the 5,500 that die every year from cancer. I mean, it seems like that we're pretty locked down for a, I mean, you, you don't want to belittle the deaths at all. Um, any deaths too, is too many. But comparatively speaking, um, these are KDHE's numbers, and we're all adults, and we know there are risks just living life. And I drove on the highway down here. I mean, there's a risk of, you know, dying in a car wreck driving down here. I mean, there's, I think there's just risks to just living life, and it's time to safely reopen the Kansas economy. Okay. Another, you know, big topic this summer, of course, has been uh, policing and criminal justice reform, um, especially following the death of George Floyd, a black mm-hmm. Minnesota man who was killed by a Minneapolis police officer. It's a um, shame. What police reform and criminal measures or criminal justice measures, if any, would you like to see introduced and potentially passed by the legislature during the next session if you were elected? Mm-hmm. That was Minneapolis, right? Yes. Um, I think they had to call out the uh, National Guard yesterday or today, something like that. It's a brand new story out. Um, yeah, that's a shame. Um, you know, if any of your viewers and readers have been following my campaign this fall, you know that I back the blue and all our first responders. And I spoke at the Back the Blue rally last month. And I spoke out against defunding the Topeka police before a city council meeting. And as I go door to door, Topekans are wondering how all of a sudden the Topeka Police Department became a racist training ground when our officers, uh, they represent all different races and creeds. Um, as a city councilman, I've seen that. And a surprising number of people that I've talked to, they're scared to hang their American flag out, out front or put a political sign in their yard because they're afraid of retribution from their neighbors. <laughs> Our society shouldn't live in fear like that. Police reforms may be needed across the country, but defunding the police is not in Topeka's best interest, and I sure hope we don't go down that road. Was there anything else on that? That was most of the question. You did just just say that police reforms may be needed uh, in some areas. Mm-hmm. What uh, what reforms might you support in in that line? Um, anything that would help keep our police safer. Um, I think the defunding uh, trends uh, will backfire on those cities. Um, and they'll realize how much they really do need their police departments fully funded and fully staffed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, I don't want oh, to, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't want Topeka to become Minneapolis or Austin or Portland. And, 
I like our new downtown. And does everybody remember the mostly peaceful protesters that smashed our downtown? And I certainly don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen here. I know that there are people groups out there that feel like there is some sort of clash between the citizens and the police and I'm not I'm not I don't know any of those people but I know they exist out there um it's a shame that something happened to them or some somebody wronged them but I don't think it reflects the police department as a whole a uh, specific interaction um, I think we have good people. I have good. I have friends that are policemen. Um, we definitely shouldn't be defunding the police. So just just to sum up, and, and so I have it straight. Mm-hmm. Um, you're saying that you would you would support any reforms that keep the police safer, but you mm-hmm. are not in favor necessarily of pulling funds away from uh, departments locally. That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeff, that kind of sums up our conversation here today. Um, I want to thank you for being with us. Do you have any other final thoughts, uh, anything else you would like the public to know? I think that's it for today. We've covered a lot. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. That was Jeff Cohen, uh, who is running against incumbent Jim Jim Gartner uh, to represent District 53 in the Kansas House of Representatives. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're looking for more, you can support local journalism by subscribing to cgonline.com, reading our articles, and following the latest news on our social media platforms. You can also find more podcasts like this one in the Apple Podcasts app, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.